we have this feeling of like grief may last forever but it's kind of a beautiful thing because it's something that we still feel emotion for and as i said before you know sitting in the presence of another person just weeping with emotion that to me is what we are as people that to me is so beautiful that we can express that you are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I am your host, Liz Carlisle. I am so glad that you're here. And this is a really important week. Um, this is a heavy week. We are speaking about grief. And my guest today is someone who has dealt with her own share of immense grief, um, from a near-death experience to losing her partner to a heroin overdose. She's seen a lot and been through a lot, um, but she didn't just stop there. She She's still dealing with her grief, as she talks about in this episode, but she took her pain and turned it into purpose, and she became a counselor and a speaker, and that's what she does. She helps people navigate through their grief, and she talks about her story and how she dealt with it and how she continues to deal with it, and I actually met Arielle Sokol Ward um, in Colorado at the TEDx that I did, and she was one of the speakers, and when I heard her talk, I knew I would have to have her on the show because Grief is something that we all deal with at one point in our lives or many times in our life. And it's something that I feel like so many people are still afraid to talk about and to feel um, because it is such an intense feeling. And often the people around us closest to us don't really understand what we're going through, right? No one can really understand. Um, So that's why I wanted to have her on the show to communicate that so that you, if you are going through something, if you have found this episode, you know, you've lost a child or you've lost a partner or whatever you may be going through, um, you don't feel alone. And Arielle is going to give you some amazing tools for reaching out. Um, And like she says in the show, if there's a little bit of light, there's someone in your life who you can talk to and be real with and tell them that, yeah, you're having a really bad day, then there's hope. And that's really what I want to convey to you, the listener. I want to lift you up and let you know that you are not alone. Um, There are people out there who may not exactly understand what you're going through, but they will hold space for you. And that's my goal here, to uh, hold space for Arielle, to hold space for you, um, and just to give you a place to quietly grieve and feel everything that you are feeling right now. So I'm honored to do that for you. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the episode. This and all episodes is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is the CBD line that I created with the intention of helping you, the listener, battle stress, anxiety, pain, and inflammation naturally without the use of pharmaceuticals. And all of our CBD is USA grown. It is organic, which is extremely important because hemp is a phytoremedial, which means it pulls toxins out of the soil. So if your CBD is near anything toxic, you're going to be imbibing that. So we definitely did all of our checks on that with our farmers and made sure that we were providing you with the best quality CBD on the market. You can pick up yours today at motherhoodandtrust.com. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so, I don't want to say excited to talk about grief and, and what you speak on and what you talk a lot about online, but I'm just honored that you're here and that I can hold this space for you to talk about this very important topic. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Okay. So before we get started, why don't you give us a little bit of background about you, 
and how you even got into speaking and coaching on grief. I am a social worker. Um, I have, you know, I, I, I wanted to go into social work because I, I thought that there would be a lot more opportunity rather than, you know, getting a, a license in counseling. Um, and for the past uh, six months or so, I've been in a group practice uh, doing, um, doing therapy with people, like individual therapy. Before that, I was in homeless services. Let's say about five years ago, I started uh, speaking to a specific class at Towson University, um, which is where I graduated. You know, I started speaking on grad school and, you know, internships and, you know, how to handle a bad supervisor and things like that. And I just realized I loved speaking to this class. Throughout the years of me coming to this one classroom and speaking to students, um, you know, things in my life were changing. So, you know, my, my first time starting to speak was actually in the fall um, of my first semester of grad school. Um, and then in my second semester of grad school, I had a very, very bad flare um, from Crohn's disease, which I have had my whole life. Um, I was diagnosed when I was seven years old. Um, so at the time, you know, I thought it was just, you know, one of those... <laughs> Trips to the emergency room, not really a big deal, but it turned into kind of like a, a life-threatening situation. Um, and I was in the hospital for 30 days, lost some of my hair, lost my ability to walk, lost a lot of weight. Um, <laughs> you know, all these complications were happening and I thought I was going to die. I was, I was kind of mentally preparing to die. But then I, I got better. Um, and I am very thankful for that. I'm thankful for, you know, medicine. I'm thankful for, um, the support I had, but the recovery process was very long. And that traumatic event really kind of set a new tone in my life and, and, and grieving, you know, who I was before that took up a large part of my mind. Um, because I'm, I'm a different person now. I had to change parts of my life, not only in, in my mind to stay alive, but for my livelihood um, and just, just to make sure I, I wouldn't get that sick again. And then a year later, exactly a year later, um, I lost my partner to a heroin overdose. And uh, that was the biggest experience of grief that um, I've been through. Um, so specifically with that loss, his name's Drew, specifically losing Drew, but also, you know, being so sick the year before, you know, it changed my speaking into what happens, what do you do when shit hits the fan in your life, when, when things don't go the way you think they're going to go, um, because, you know, when I got sick, I had to stop school, so, you know, I had to, I graduated later than I thought I would, when Drew died, I left school, and I had to come back to something that was so triggering because it was, you know, going back to the same place that I was when I was with him. I began speaking about the hardships in my life, speaking about an assault that happened in college, speaking about illness, speaking about chronic illness, speaking about loss, speaking about 
hard things that you, that social workers deal with on a daily basis. Um, and what I found is that students would reach out to me. So many students reached out to me afterwards saying, you know, things like my brother recently passed away from an overdose or my roommate was just raped and I don't know what to do. Or, you know, I have a chronic illness that nobody can see, but I suffer with it every day. I realized that not only sharing my story was important for people to feel less alone, but also being very open and talking about something that isn't normally spoken about, which is hard stuff and, and the grief that we, that we deal with. It was quite a turn of events um, because after Drew died, I went to a grief therapist and, you know, that, especially that first year was uh, probably the hardest year of my life. It was the hardest year of my life. And that was in 2015, you know, after deciding to leave Baltimore and, and I, I now live in Austin, Texas, and I kind of restarted my life here. And now I, I am someone that specializes in grief and trauma. And um, I would have never thought, you know, at that time in 2015, that I would then be not only wanting to speak to people, but good at speaking to people mm -hmm. um, about grief and sitting with them in their grief, um, making space for their grief when, you know, other people are uncomfortable when someone cries or uncomfortable when we talk about someone that isn't here anymore, or, you know, do, we don't, you know, have the space for the pet that we lost or the job that we lost or the person that we were that we are not because grief comes in so many different forms um, and not just bereavement. So that was kind of a long answer, but <laughs> no, that was perfect. And I mean, and I think that that's, it's powerful because for the audience to really understand, you know, and, and believe in everything that you're saying and believe that, you know, you're someone that can actually talk about this. Like, yeah, what you have been through is just so incredible and just would level. I think most people pick one of the things that happened to you in that year, whether it be chronic illness or losing a partner to a drug overdose, pick one and, and they would be done. So the fact that you went through both of those, those things and, and came out stronger on the other side, I think is so, you know, for lack of a better word, it's actually really inspirational. Um, and for you then to take it to the next level and start helping others. I mean, that's, I think, really a sign of a true healer, you know, especially someone who's been through hell and then come out the other side. So that's really what I want to get into today is, you know, how did you do that? For someone listening right now who is grieving or going through something really tough, how, what can they do to kind of pull themselves up or at least get through the day and be stronger at the end of the day rather than, you know, just be broken through what they're going through? Well, so my first thought is, you know, finding purpose. And in um, the TEDx talk that I, I recently did, that's what I talk about is, is we find resiliency when we find purpose in something. Mm -hmm. And so after... After Drew passed away, I, um, let's see, I guess it was about a, two months, three months afterwards, I started a chapter of GRASP, which is uh, Grief Recovery After a Substance Passing. And this is a national organization that holds meetings around the country, um, holds support meetings for people who have lost someone to drugs or alcohol. And you know, as I said, the therapist that I was seeing, um, you know, it was really great, very helpful, but I was 
thinking of wanting like a, a group to talk to and mm-hmm. we couldn't find anything, which I just found so crazy because like we're in the Baltimore area where heroin is the drug of choice. Um, and you know, there, there were support groups, but they were very far away from me. And I know, I mean, at the time I could think of multiple people I, I know, or, or have known that, um, had overdosed or have, you know, issues with drugs and alcohol. Um, so I started a chapter of grasp, um, in Howard County, you know, the people that came, it was never, you know, a huge group, but it, there were, you know, there were people that came every month and for me to set up that space, you know, even for 10 people to me felt purposeful. And for me to be not only a facilitator in this group um, and kind of like use my social work skills, but also um, have a place for me to heal as well. That was really kind of game changing for me. And so um, I, I facilitated this group for about a year, a year and a half. And, and when I moved to Austin, I, I decided that, you know, this group kind of served its purpose for me. I felt like I could heal in a way. I kind of got over this hump. And going to the group for me was almost holding me back from from where I wanted to be in my grief. So I kind of thought it did its purpose and, and it was time for me to, to let go of this. And recently I, you know, reached out to our, the Austin chapter of grasp. And yesterday, last night, actually, I went to a meeting and I, I went to the meeting as, you know, someone that had lost some had lost you know a partner but also as someone that has a background in this that you know could be a resource for these other people um which was kind of a different it, it was a different role than than what I played before in this group you know there was one woman in there um who also lost her her partner um 2 weeks ago and i just commend her so much for even being able to leave the house and, and, and know that she needs some support and coming to this group. I just think that that is just so amazing. So, so, so amazing. And I was telling them, you know, I, if everyone that came last night, my loss was, was the longest to go. So I had kind of a different perspective on it. Um, and I spoke a lot about, you know, like finding purpose, um, in his death and, I think people want people, people see that like, Oh, maybe I'm doing okay because I did X, Y, Z. So they're like, okay, how do I do X, Y, Z? But again, with grief, like we all grieve very differently and mm-hmm. things that help me won't help you. And so I think finding our own, our own way to, to move through it and not get over it, but move through it is really helpful. And, and, and to me, that is finding purpose. And, and I know purpose can, can be very different for everyone, but, you know, Drew and his recovery community was a leader. And to me, you know, starting this chapter, speaking to classrooms, you know, speaking on stages, telling people just the person he was and that, you know, an addict was only, was only part of him. And, you know, not being defined, like, by his death, 
that's very important for, for me, for people to know. Um, and that's the way that I like to honor him. So, you know, even coming on podcasts like this and, and talking about it and being open about it and telling people what I found to kind of build resiliency is a way of honoring him. And I think too, like you, by telling his story and telling how you got through it, not necessarily over it really does, I think, help others do the same, whether they do it in the same way that you did by reaching out and helping others or in a completely different way, like still seeing you as an example, absolutely is healing to others. Cause they're like, okay, it is possible. You know, I can do it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, for, and I think this idea of like a timeline, like, um, you know, I actually, so this morning I saw a client who had a recent loss and she was looking at me like, okay, you're the professional. Tell me what to do. Mm. And I, just looked back at her and I was like, I don't know what to do. I can't tell you what to do. I I can't say something that will make it better because nothing's going to make this better. And I said, the only thing that I can give to you right now is tell, is telling you to feel it, allowing yourself to feel it because, and I think it's very hard because, you know, most of us, most of us have responsibilities. We have, we have children, we have jobs, we have relationships, we have all these things in our lives where we can't just lay in bed all day. And it's almost excruciating to know that when we lose something or someone, the world keeps going. The world doesn't stop when we feel like the world needs to stop. So it is very difficult, I think, to let yourself grieve, but also continue wearing all these hats that we wear. And, and, you know, knowing that one person or one thing isn't going to work for us, like it is a process. And it'd be really, really great if I could say like, okay, this week, you're going to feel this way. Next week, you're going to feel this way. And by week three, you're going to be cured. It's not a broken leg. It's not something where like, okay, if we do this, if we rest on it, we know it will heal itself. And then in, in a month or two, we'll be able to walk on it again. We'll be able to keep moving with our lives. That's not how it goes. And it's, I think maybe in that way, it is a little bit difficult to be a a grief therapist because a lot of people that come into therapy (laughs) want answers. They want that Mm -hmm. that figurative pill where I'm going to, I'm going to give you this pill and everything is going to, everything's going to be better. And I always, I joke with my clients saying like, you know, I'm not here to change you. If I was, I'd be charging a lot more. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I can't change you. If, if change is going to happen, it's going to happen within yourself. Um, it's going to happen because you did something outside of this room. And I'm going to give you the tools to do that. And I'm going to help you process things that will help you get there. But it is your responsibility. And I think when it comes to grief, we have a responsibility as well. And, and maybe that responsibility is less about doing something, but more about just allowing ourselves to feel what we feel and not having the timeline aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I said to the client this morning, like grief is unlike anything else our brain has dealt with before. Anything else which is why the, the lost feeling is so common because we are, we are literally lost. We don't know what's happening. 
um, and especially with the very um, significant loss in our lives. It's, uh, it's like a whirlwind of emotions and um, just like feelings that we have that, you know, can come up somatically, come up in rage, can come up, you know, at work or with our kids or whatever we do. Just like everything else, things take time. The only thing is that this timeline we can't really see. When other timelines we maybe have more of a view on. I feel like that's what makes it so hard for people to grasp because it's not like, you know, like three months, six months, a year, I'm going to be healed. Like you don't know and you could feel fine. And then all of a sudden be overtaken with it again. I mean, wow. But I think, you know, from what I got from what you were saying is, is really the most important thing is to feel all Mm. of the emotions, whether it's, you know, sadness, fear, feeling lost, like feeling all of that really deeply. At the same time, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid to go there. So how do you encourage your clients to, to go to those dark places and not run away, but while also not getting spiraling down into depression? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's almost a skill. It's a fine line. Mm. Um, and I would love, you know, I, I, I would say one of the biggest reasons why I got through my grief, actually not even got through, but I, I'm getting through my grief because I am still grieving. Um, I'll be grieving for the rest of my life about this, but the, I think we can grieve for years. We can grieve for the rest of our lives, but our perception does need to change at some point where you know, the perception of this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I can't do anything. I can't get out of bed to this is a terrible thing that happened, but look at me, I'm still here. And, you know, having the change in perspective is helpful when people don't, you know, we don't, we don't have all day to grieve. And, and then, and that fine line of like, I can grieve, but you know, will I start to spiral? That's a very real fear. Mm -hmm. And I think especially, you know, depending on your personality in general, depending on your support, what gender you are, um, there's a lot of things that come into play. And, you know, I was very lucky that, you know, when I was my, when I was first grieving this, um, I had a lot of support. And I know not everyone is that lucky. I know that's a, that's a very big privilege that I have. But I think finding at least one person that can be a support system, that can help you move through the grief, that, can, that you can be honest with. And, you know, when they say, like, how are you? And a lot of people hate that, hate that mm. question. But when you don't have to say, oh, I'm fine. But you can be honest. And they'll sit with you in that and they'll, they'll stay with you in that. And that is, that's hard. That's a hard job to ask of someone. I kind of think, and I guess maybe that's part of my job, like as a, as a therapist, like, like sitting with, with, sitting with someone in that. And, um, but to me, and it was, it was actually, it was kind of reignited in me last night um, at this meeting to me feeling intense emotion 
is the definition of being alive. Mm. Like I felt when I am sitting next to this woman and she's hysterically crying over the death of her husband, I felt so honored to be in that space with her. And I felt so honored to, for her to, to allow herself to feel that in a room full of strangers. Um, Cause I, I think last night was her first meeting. Um, and just like, this is just like, I mean, what I was thinking when that was happening was like, this is the definition of the human condition. <laughs> right. And we all go through it. And that's the, that's the crazy thing is that like, we think that we are special. We think that I am going through something that you can't imagine. I'm going through mm-hmm. something that, you know, you've never been through. And I think part of that is correct. Part of that, you know, losing someone to alcoholism, losing someone to a drug overdose is very specific, is something that is different than losing someone, you know, to cancer. It is different. However, if we look at it from a broader perspective, it's still loss. It's still grief. It's still sadness. It's still anger. And when we can allow ourselves to, and you know, this may take time. It usually does take time, but when we can allow ourselves to maybe open up with others and be vulnerable and, and, um, not only let others see our pain, but welcome pain of other people. I feel like that is when real healing starts. That is when purpose starts. The people that I've helped, I know for a fact, because I feel like this is maybe part of who I am. I, I like to empower people, especially women. I love to empower other women. You know, when I talk, I, I, because I'm very open with my past and I'm very open with my grief. Other people know me as someone that has had significant loss in their life. And therefore people almost like, like refer other people to Mm -hmm. me, talk to me. I have a friend that, that about a month or two ago, she um, told me that one of her friends from back home uh, lost her husband last year. And, you know, I would be a great person for her to talk to. Is it okay if, you know, can, can, she, can she give her my number? Through talking with this woman who had this significant loss, you know, I can see healing happening with, within her. But I also know that when we come into contact with other people who have lost someone, other people who have grieved, especially significant grief, complicated grief, disenfranchised grief, we are then changed And we also feel stronger to help others. And I do think that's a fact because I've seen it time and time again. And I think that is extremely powerful. And I think we find our own empowerment with that because, you know, if we feel strong enough to help someone else, then that only kind of pushes us further into the journey of grief in a really positive direction. And would this, you say that would you say that that's the biggest lesson that grief has taught you? I mean that's the biggest thing that has has come out of this is this is why not only I I speak on stages but you know this is why I am a therapist this is why 
you know, sometimes I do self-disclose to my clients that I have, you know, lost a partner. And I think self-disclosure can be a really powerful thing in therapy. Um, you know, not always appropriate, but when it, when, when it is appropriate, I think it can be a really powerful tool. And the, mm-hmm. the clients that I have told this to, the rapport that came from that was, was so much higher. And I think the, re- the respect, the trust... so much deeper because not only not only is it you know me telling something about myself but also like you know if they're coming in for grief I could just be you know a therapist that read a lot on grief and is really interested in it but maybe never experienced it myself and you know even with that knowledge even with that that lack of, of personal experience, you could still be an amazing therapist. I'm not saying you're, you can't, but I do think it is different when your clients know that you have also kind of like what you're preaching, um, mm-hmm. coming from experience. <laughs> and, um, I think so. I think so. I would absolutely trust a therapist more if they had actually been through something that I was dealing with 100%. Yeah. And again, like, you know, not everyone that I see has lost a partner to a heroin overdose. Actually, no one that I see in my clients, uh, you know, has, has that loss. But I mean, even with, so I see a lot of people going through relationship struggles and even like a breakup. And that's something probably a lot more people can, can relate to. I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to that. Like any, any breakup or, or hard time in a relationship. It's still like, like thinking about that from a grief perspective, and the stages of grief, I think, help people get through it and not so much like, oh, I should be over him or I should be over her. Mm. But like, we're grieving. So allow yourself to go through the stages, allow yourself to go back through the stages. And it almost gives it more of a, um, a track. Again, not necessarily a timeline, but like we see it as as like a track that we can go on and not just this like ball of sadness. Mm. So there is a progression of some sort. Yeah. yeah. So what are the stages of grief? I'm just curious for myself. So the, fi- so there's five stages. Um, the first is denial and isolation. Um, then anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And what's important for people to know is that this isn't something that everyone goes through. This isn't something that you go through once. This isn't something that you go through in that same order. Um, again, because grief is so, so individualized. So I know people that start with the bargaining and then go to anger and then go to acceptance, but then go back into denial and then maybe anger again and then to depression. You know, it's like, these are these, we, you know, I feel like maybe stages isn't even the right word. Right. For it. It's just like the, the parts of it, because a stage kind of seems like after one stage, you go to the next when sometimes that's true. I think, I think people do experience these five stages kind of, you know, in order, but not always. And I think again, having the expectation, and this is something I talk to a lot of my clients about too is like, what is your expectation? If your expectation is you're going to come to therapy, I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to leave feeling good. That's probably not 
it's not going to happen. And then you're going to be, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to not, you know, you're not going to want to come back and you're not going to, you know, believe in, in the power of processing. Um, mm. But having the expectation that like, there's potential for this to last a lifetime, but the anger, the depression, the denial is not going to last a lifetime. That's the difference is that these stages don't last a lifetime, but they're just stages. So we may get to, we may go through some of the stages and get to the last stage of acceptance. And we could be in acceptance for, for 10 years, but something will trigger us. Triggers are an interesting thing. Something will trigger us and we will go right back to anger. Mm. And we'll be like, what's going on? I thought I was over this, or I thought I worked through this, but like, that's what grief is. It kind of never leaves us. And this may sound a little morbid, but I almost find comfort in the fact that it never really leaves us because I, I think for so long I had, I was scared. I was really scared. I, I didn't want to be in this much pain anymore, this pain mm. and grief. But I was scared that if I wasn't in pain, then I'll forget about him. Mm. If I wasn't in pain, other people will perceive me as not loving Drew anymore or not remembering him or not caring about him or the feeling of I got over this. And that's scary. That's a scary feeling, but it's not something that's set in reality. So we have this feeling of like grief may last forever, but it's kind of a beautiful thing because it's something that we still feel emotion for. And as I said before, you know, sitting in the presence of another person, just weeping with emotion that to me is what we are as people. That to me is so beautiful that we can express that. So the fact that we can carry grief and it, I, you know, I, I don't think it needs to be as heavy as when we first started the grief process. And I, I, I don't think it usually is over the years, but to know that this is something that we are now changed by and that resilience to this isn't going back to who we were before because we are not the person we were before. And having that expectation of we cannot go back to our life before this event or before this death or before whatever grief brought on because we are changed by this and we need to adapt accordingly. And that adaption is what I find to be the hardest thing, the adaption of, you know, having sleeping next to your husband for 10 years. And then all of a sudden he's gone adapting to sleeping alone, adapting to, you know, a, a new career adapting to life without a, um, a pet in the house, adapting to a loss of a child. Like that seems it is unbearable. It is unbearable to think of, but people do it. And another thing that I have um, that builds resilience in myself, because I see it all the time, is how absolutely incredible human beings are. 
because we adapt and we are resilient to unimaginable pain. But I think we do that not ever. And I, I believe that everyone has the ability to channel that resilience, but I don't know if everyone has, if anyone feels powerful enough to get to that channel. It's something that it's something that we have to push ourselves and it's something that is so uncomfortable and comes with all these other feelings like guilt and shame. And it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And I, um, and I think especially, and you know, people may have our support network or even people that aren't in our support network. Um, People have a lot of things to say when it comes to our grief. And, and I would like mm. to think most of them are str- them trying to be supportive or, you know, not malintended, but, um, you know, again, going back to the woman last night, you know, she was saying that some people blame her for her husband's death. Um, mm. And I told her, what you were going through. And again, you know, I, I can't relate to my husband dying from alcoholism, but I can relate to a partner dying from, from a substance. And I told her, I'm like, what you were going through is something that most human beings cannot even imagine. Because when someone does try to imagine, when we, when we have empathy, and we try to imagine the loss of my partner, seeing my friend lose her partner. And then I'm trying to think of like, oh, if my partner died, like, what would that be like? I can promise you that what you're imagining is nothing like how it would actually be. Mm-hmm. And that's not anyone's fault. That's not, you know, it's not even anything negative, but it's just not something that's possible. Yeah. But I think having some, having some empathy towards people that are grieving and you know, this, like there's a saying like, be kind, everyone is going through something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not even, (laughs) I'm probably not the, uh, the spokeswoman for that person because I have, you know, my own struggles. Um, and I am not <laughs> always kind, uh, <laughs> but I, I will say that. Um, but I do think, you know, something that I, I kind of, and again, maybe this may be kind of like a morbid way of looking at it, but I think kind of think it's beautiful. Everybody is hurting. Everybody yeah. is hurting. And we are hurting in different ways and different levels, but everybody is hurting in some way. And that kind of, to me, brings like this humanness to it where like, yes, the hurt that I'm feeling, you can't imagine right now, but I'm sure that you have felt something that I can't imagine. And it's, it's, if we all just kind of give ourselves some credit and give other people some credit, I think it'd be a lot easier Wow. I think that's such a great way to kind of round out the interview. But if there was one takeaway 
one thing that you want our listeners to walk away from from this, this talk, what would that be? There's light. And even if, even if you feel like you're sitting in complete darkness, there is somebody in your life that can be light. And you can sit in this hole and you will sit in this hole. But having the light and the distance, and it could seem like miles and miles and miles. But if there is light, that means that there's hope. And I promise you, there is always, always hope. Mm, That's great. There's always hope. I love that. I love that. Okay, so for everyone listening, um, how can they find you online? Where can they find, um, hire you for speaking gigs, things like that? So I have a website. It's uh, www.arielle.com. And uh, there's a little contact information on there. Um, you can see um, some of my, my speaking gigs. Um, and my TEDx video will also be on that website as well yeah. as on YouTube. So excited. And I'll probably talk about this in the intro, but that's how we met um, at TEDx. And you were just so incredible and so inspiring. And I think even through your rehearsals, I think you were shocking everyone in the audience. So it's just, I can't wait for that to come out. And hopefully, um, if it comes out before we go live with this episode, that'll all be in the show notes. Awesome. And I was so, I was so honored to share the stage with you. And thank you for having me. Oh, this is such a pleasure. And I just know like this talk right here, like I can already feel it in my body. Like this is going to be helping so many people out, not just in America, but in the entire world who is going through something incredibly hard. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your light with my audience. Thank you. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you got some benefit out of this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It does so much for the show. Um, raising awareness about the show and just getting it out there to more ears and eyes. Um, If you feel like a friend uh, who is going through something or who's been through something would benefit from hearing Ariel, please share this episode with them. That's really my goal of having shows like this. It's not just about motherhood, it's about life. And to have someone on to speak about grief who's been through something tremendous, I think is incredibly important and I'm honored to provide that space and that platform. So if you have someone in your life who has been through something uh, equally or worse than Ariel, please share this episode with them because something that she says could help them. We don't know, you know, that's, we, it's out there. Um, but that's my goal. And I think that that's Ariel's goal as well. So definitely get it out there and heal as many people as possible because that's really what I think life is all about. Thanks. <laughs>